This is the Weather Lounge here at Weatherworks. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Weather Lounge. I'm your host, meteorologist Brad Miller, and I would like to thank you for taking time out of your busy day to listen to our podcast. Weatherworks is a private forecasting company, and we are based here in Hackettstown, New Jersey. And joining me, as always, here in the Weather Lounge is my co-host, meteorologist Mike Mahalik. Hello there, Mike. Hey, how are you doing, Brad? Hey, it's May, Mike. Summertime's upon us. We're playing golf. Baseball's in full swing. It's it's nice. I, I love having, you know, to watch the games every time I come home at night. Yeah. And, you know, it's just nice to sit and, you know, and the fans in the stadium now. It's nice. Yeah, yeah. That's always a, a, a plus to uh, see things at least starting to get back to normal here. Yeah, a little bit. Um, but, hey, uh, Brad, we also have uh, another guest on our program, and he's been – you know, here from time to time, and that's our good friend Mike Priante. Mike, what's going on? Oh, hey, I'm I'm back, guys. How long, long time <laughs> no talk? It's like been like what, like a few years? Mike, Mike, we invite you to every podcast, and somehow the invitation just gets lost in the mail. I think. I, I that, think so. that could be. Maybe that's just <laughs> a. Uh, is that is that a sign? Are you guys trying to tell me something? I mean, no. no. Don't you know that everyone with Mike Priante on it does better? Yeah, it's true. And only that, Mike Priante. <laughs> I don't know if that's a Mike true Priante fact. is an integral integral part of this podcast because he I'm knows sure so the analytics the show that, Brad. I'm sure the <laughs> analytics show that this, this, these are the best podcasts with with me on it. But um, but guys, I'm excited for this one because um, uh, something we haven't talked about maybe briefly in one podcast, but like uh, I don't know whether it insects. I mean. I don't know if anybody out there is a fan of insects, some some of the creepy crawlies, <laughs> you know, spiders and and all of that. I don't know. Mike, are you a are you a fan? Uh, it really doesn't bother me all that much, but I know my uh, wife is certainly um, gets bit by mosquitoes a lot. And uh, I know my daughter cannot stand bees just because she's just scared getting stung. Um, I, it doesn't really bother me all that much at all. I just kind of, you know, go around unless I get into like some wasps or hornets, you know, then those guys are kind of mean. Well, a quick story here, uh, before we go to break real quick, uh, I haven't been stung by a bee in probably 20, 25 years last year, twice in one day, once on the eye, once on the shoulder on the eye. Now I was, well, I was, I was trying to put up an umbrella in the backyard and I guess there was a little hornet's nest that they were trying to build. And one got really mad and went right at my face and got me right in the eyelid. And then not more than 10 seconds later, another one got me through the shirt on the shoulder. So it's like, <laughs> I went so long without even having any issues with the bee to two stings within like 10 seconds in the same day. It's crazy. I'm sorry, Brad. That's horrible. <laughs> well, I got to say that, I mean, the worst time that I've gone was when I was in my landscaping days and I got, uh, oh. I hit a ground bee nest and uh, I got it about seven or eight times uh, <laughs> from them. And uh, the one really bothered me because I thought it was in the clear and then it must have been in my shirt. Um, so I was all happy. I got away and then, uh, nope, one more got me. Um, so, <laughs> uh, man. I tell you, I've had my run-in with them uh, a bit too much. I'll tell you one other thing with bees too is is you got to be really careful. Actually, it's it's a serious thing. Um, if you're outside, maybe maybe enjoying an adult beverage, um, 
they can sometimes get into your can of that adult beverage and you gotta be real careful sometimes because you don't want to take the chance of swallowing. I've heard it happen before. Not to me, but uh, you gotta be careful. Okay. I believe you. I mean, yeah, I'm just saying, I'm just saying I've, I've, it's, I've, I've seen him crawl out of the can before. And I say, well, what if I was going to take a drink and that <laughs> would have got me? Yeah, it could go bad, uh, but we're getting yeah. a little sidetracked here, Brad. I know. Uh, so let's, all right, well, uh, all right, well, the reason why we got Mike again today is because we want uh, like a round table discussion and we've done this before with, uh, you know, weather and movies. That was a fun podcast and, uh, we did a weather terms podcast. So this one can kind of open the floor to everyone. We'll talk about weather and how insects impact, uh, or how they are impacted by the weather and things like that. So it uh, should be fun. Yeah, I'd say so. Um, you know, and I think with that, we'll take a quick break. Right, right, uh, Mike? Yeah, let's, let's go to break, guys, and we'll be back in uh, just a little bit. Have you ever needed weather data for a snow removal contract? How about a slip and fall incident? Searching for the information online may sound simple enough. However, it can be tedious and difficult. Good news! Our data and stats team can simplify the process. We'll find any weather information from daily rainfall and snowfall totals to hourly temperatures and seasonal averages. On the legal side, our forensic department routinely produces certified reports by meteorologists assessing the weather conditions on and around accident dates. So don't waste your valuable time. Give WeatherWorks a call today at 908-850-8600 or email us at data at weatherworksinc.com. Remember, when you think weather, think WeatherWorks. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Weather Lounge. Um, one of your co-hosts this week, meteorologist Brad Miller, and uh, we are talking about weather and insects and how maybe insects are impacted by the weather and how they react to different weather types and different patterns in the weather. And uh, I'm going to first start with Mike Mahalik here. And Mike, um, cicadas, it's the big story coming out. And this is the 17th year, isn't it? Uh, yes, it is. Um, and yeah, they come out every 17 years, uh, these cicadas. And, uh, for those that don't know, uh, really what cicadas are, um, they're like these two inch long, uh, flying bugs. They have like real beady, uh, red eyes. And, uh, you know, they also make a very loud buzzing noise. Um, and when I'm saying loud, I mean like fire alarm level loud. Um, you know, I'm sure you've heard them in the trees before. If you look up on uh, YouTube or something like that, you could probably find cicada buzz or something like just search that up and you'll probably find it. Um, but yeah, Brad, this is uh, the 17th year and this is for brood 10, um, which is what we're, uh, you know, getting into now. So there's a bunch of different broods. Um, I did some research on this. There's a bunch of different broods that come out in different areas of the country um, at different times. Um, most are in 13 to 17 years cycles. Now, um, with brood 10, um, they cover a lot of area for east of the Mississippi, um, eastward towards uh, the northeast and parts of uh, the south, too. Um, but the biggest hotspots are mostly in Maryland, uh, northern Delaware, uh, southern New Jersey, and eastern PA. There's also some in uh, southwest Ohio and eastern Tennessee that have large concentrations and also Indiana. So there's a bunch of states that do have concentrations of these guys. 
and they can be uh, quite annoying, I would say. Now, one thing I wanted to say, Brad, uh, you're a golf guy, and um, these these were certainly prevalent back in 2004 in the Memorial Tournament in Ohio. I was just going to say, I mean, I, I don't recall 2004, but I mean, it's hard to believe it's been 17 years because it always seems like you, you hear about cicadas. But I, yeah, I guess the last uh, the last uh, big uh, swarm, I guess, if you will, was 2004. So if you go back, if you like search YouTube for the Memorial Tournament uh, in 2004, you'll probably find some stuff uh, with Ernie Els and that's Tiger That's in Ohio, Wood. too. Yeah. So in the background of all these shots, you hear this like incredible like droning and buzzing that's the cicadas like they were just like drowning out everything and i don't know what it's like to golf with those guys around it's probably pretty annoying <laughs> but um you've piqued my interest for sure i, I will definitely go back and uh, check on that stuff. yeah so anyway like bringing this back around um the reason why we're talking about these guys is because um they come out dependent on the weather um, so, yes, they come out every 17 years, um, but they wait for the soil temperatures, the ground temperatures, to get to around 64 degrees or more, um, about eight inches down before they come out. Um, so, that being said, it largely depends on the weather. You know, during the, um, during the spring months here, we've been rather on the warm side. It did cool yeah, down a little. Up and down. We have yeah. some cold spells, but some mild spells too. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, right now, the ground temperatures are still kind of in the 50s here. So we're safe for the time being. But <laughs> <laughs> but by Memorial Day, we may not be safe is what you're saying? Yeah. As, as we get longer into May, uh, into mid to late May, um, that's when they're probably going to start popping here as we'll get those ground temperatures higher. Um, so that's what we're looking at with these guys. They, they come out, they, they, they do their mating, they lay some eggs, and then they die off. The whole process takes about six weeks or so. Um, and then the next brood comes out in 2038, right? Yeah, yeah. It's going to be a long time uh, from now. I don't know. Mike, have you seen these guys around before? I've seen them around, yeah. Um, actually, it was the last time, right? You said 2013, was that it? Um, or 2014? Yeah, that was a different... Well, 2004 was this Brood 10. Okay. Um, oh, I got you. Okay. 2013 okay. was a different Brood. I don't know what the I Roman see. numeral is on that guy. Because there was one year in the summer out here when... And it might have been that different Brood because... I remember one time going outside and it was like that droning sound that you could hear like kind of uh, like screeching in the distance, kind of like echoing. And it's almost like it, it almost sounded so surreal when you go out there. Like it's almost like things are surrounding you and there's like it was just kind of surreal to say, to say, to say the least. Right. And um, yeah, I mean, what's interesting, too, is that the good thing is, is that they're pretty much harmless. Um, they, they won't hurt you. I know they look ugly. They're kind of scary looking, but if they land on you, they don't sting. Um, you know, they're not poisonous, you know, nothing like that. They typically don't affect the crops. Um, you know, the, the biblical like locust plague and stuff like that, that's different. Locusts are different and they eat crops and things like that. Cicadas are kind of like, I don't know. 
a, a, a nicer cousin or something <laughs> you want to call it. Um, and the only reason they come out in these swarms is because they have no other defenses. They don't sting. They don't have anything like that. So in order to continue themselves going on, they have to come out in large numbers. Um, Some so, get sacrificed so others can make it, correct? <laughs> that's it. <laughs> yeah. And then, um, so yeah, that's what we're expecting here. So hey, mid-May into uh, early June, probably going to have a lot of noise if you live in any of these regions of the country that we talked about earlier. Right, so those soil temperatures get up. And and just a quick note, you know, before we do some, before we do all of our podcasts, we do have a little bit of a rundown uh, to where we know what we're all going to talk about. And Why are you giving away our trade secrets, Brad? I, I just, I was just going to say, <laughs> the one line that you wrote here, though, is like, they won't hurt you. They're just ugly. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> Well, they are. I mean, they, look I them know. up on uh, the internet. They got these red eyes, and they're just big and nasty looking. They look like, uh, uh, man, something that would really give you a problem, but it's well, really not. A, a lot of insects are ugly looking, though, so that's kind of like a stretch there, Mike. Well, you know, well, that's true. There's not too many pretty insects. I mean, what would you? Oh, what would butterflies you consider? are pretty. That's what I was gonna Butter, say. Butterflies. You know, maybe a butterfly. You know, maybe a woolly bear caterpillar. Oh boy! Uh, <laughs> hey, we're gonna talk about that one last time. Don't don't, don't make fun of that woolly bear. So, All right, let's move on here. Let's uh, let's go on to something else that we're more uh, accustomed to in the summertime, and and everyone knows the sound of the old cricket at night. And uh, you know, it's, it's it's a right, it's like a rite of passage to summer when you start hearing the crickets, and you know the nights are getting warmer, and you can sit outside, and and they're really great to sleep to. Obviously, you know, I think the two things in the summertime that I love to fall asleep to are, you know, either rain or a thunderstorm, and, and crickets, of course. So, um, you know, that's it's something that uh, you know just goes hand in hand, I think, as we get into summer. But uh, you know, th- there's a there's not really even a wives' tale. There's there's a there's a actual equation to how crickets react to the weather and of course the warmer it gets the more chirps that they create as they're chirping along at night and there's actually a formula it's known as Dolbear's law okay now mind you if it's like you know if it's like 50 52 degrees the crickets are, are kind of you get like a coolish summer night the, the crickets are a little more you know, sedated. They're not very active. But, you know, on some of those hot, humid nights where temperature may not get below 65 degrees here in the Northeast or something, you know, they're going. They're going, you know, a mile a minute. And you hear like crickets everywhere, everywhere. So it kind of makes sense that the warmer it is at night, the more chirps that they have. So to figure out, and you can actually figure out the temperature, believe it or not. Now, it's not that hard. You don't even need a paper and pencil. Basically, what you do is you take the number of chirps in 14 seconds. Okay. So let's say, you hear 15 chirps in 14 seconds, which isn't bad, you know, a little more than one per second. Or in this example, let's say 32 chirps, okay, in 14 seconds. They're really they're really going. <laughs> you add 40 to that, and then you get the temperature. So if you get 32 chips, uh, chirps. <laughs> chips. Plus chips. the 40. I can go for some is, chips. Yeah. Plus the 40 is standard. It's 72 degrees out. So it's kind of a neat way to, to convert, uh, you know, the, the chirpiness to the actual temperature outside. So I guess once we get into, you know, more of the crickets uh, are more active here in the next few weeks, we'll uh, we'll have to try out that, that dull bear's law. But uh, 
it, it sends you know it tends to make sense because the warmer it is, the more chirps you get. But why do crickets chirp though? I mean, it can't just be because of the temperature, right? It has to be some other. Well, mini- it, it's there's a chemical reaction uh, within their body that allows them to chirp more rapidly as the temperature rises. So it's not really. I think it's just their nature. I, I think it's just what they do. It's like it's us just the reaction. Yeah, it's just like us breathing. You know, it's uh, crickets chirp. Crickets breathe, obviously, too, but they they just constantly are chirping. But once it gets too cold, you know, they're they're not active at all, and it won't they won't chirp at all. And maybe you hear one or two chirps if it's like forty something degrees out because it's cold. But they're just more sedated then. But it's it's uh you know it's kind of a neat uh, a, a neat uh you know thing that happens during the summer. Yeah, I don't, you know, it's interesting about why they would actually chirp. Now, you know, we're meteorologists here. Uh, We're we're talking about weather mostly and how they affect insects. So uh, if you want to know why they chirp, I would go seek out an entomologist. Yeah, there you go. Um, So we're we're trying to relate the weather here too. So so Mike uh, over there... uh, Let's let's search out an entomologist and we can find out why they actually chirp. We can get an entomologist in the show, right? Maybe we'll we'll do some research. You know what? And we can talk about woolly bears and crickets. I don't know a whole lot of entomologists, as in zero. But <laughs> but um, if we find one, we could certainly have them on, and, and that would be an interesting aspect. Or someone that's listening is an entomologist; they want to comment and uh, Ooh, you know, get back to us. I like it absolutely. They'll probably call call us out on some wrong things, maybe, but. <laughs> I think we have it just about right. So, Mike, um, you know, moving from crickets, uh, we want to talk about fireflies or lightning blug- bugs, uh, as I like to call them. Lightning? You say lightning blubs? Yeah, blugs. I don't know. Blugs. I need more coffee. I'm sorry. Go go get some coffee, Mike, and I'll talk about lightning, That's a good idea. lightning bugs. Let's move okay. on. Okay. Alrighty, alrighty. So, uh, I mean, we've all seen seen these bugs in, uh, at night. Um, they glow. And it's a chemical reaction. Again, we're not entomologists, so don't ask me why that happens or how it happens. But they they like to emit the light, you know, and, and, and it, that whole thing is based on communication. So it's not just a thing they do. It's also for them to communicate, to attract mates. There's a whole thing going on with that. But talking about the weather aspect. So the way these bugs are, they're cold-blooded. So they like to slow down when it gets cold out. Um, and, and the flashing can happen at a slower rate when it's colder. Once the air temperature actually reaches above 50 degrees, which seems to be the magical number, not just for fireflies, but for other bugs that we'll talk yeah, about, be for crickets um, too. for crickets and even mosquitoes too, above 50 degrees, these, these bugs, they go crazy. And for the fireflies, they, you know, they, 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 they don't stop flashing. They're flying around. Um, and then sometimes it's also to, uh, to like, you know, say, Hey, you know, this is my area. I'm defending it. So the flashing can be not just, you know, a, a mating call, but it could also be, you know, just marking trying territory, to, marking territory. Exactly. Um, so an ideal time for these, cause you know, you don't see fireflies every night, obviously there's certain nights where they come out and they, they flash more than often. And an ideal night is a warm and muggy night. So after a big rainfall, you know, if it's cloudy or the evening, it's, it's pretty mild, you know, they like to come out, you know, that's, they, they like the warm, the warm air. They like the muggy, the muggy conditions. Uh, if it's clear skies or the moon's out, a lot of radiational cooling going on, not the, best night for them to really go out there. I mean, they're still going to be out there, but you just won't really see those dazzling colors, you know, if it's not a muggy night. So humid nights in the summer, 
perfect time for for fireflies if it's dry and cool like you know early early spring or late spring when it's still kind of like marginal you're not going to see it that's why a lot of the times you actually see fireflies happen late summer when we're we're solidly in the the humidity we're solidly in the warm air uh so that's that's a yeah, fireflies, interesting things that I, I didn't know about beforehand. So I, I, I see ourselves making a, a new Weatherworks product. Uh, uh, <laughs> no, don't go there, Mike. <laughs> what? We got storm alerts. We forecast rain and everything. We could forecast uh, the uh, amount of cricket noise you're going to hear tonight. Frequency of fireflies. Or tonight. we could forecast. Uh, our, our storm alert clients would love that, right? All right. Well, what about a forecast for mosquitoes? Can we do that? I mean, I'm sure that's probably more important than, oh, I don't know. The That's the state bird of Pennsylvania. Isn't that what every state says? <laughs> <laughs> that's the state bird in New Jersey. Let's, let's be real yeah. here. I mean, real quick, before we go back to the mosquitoes, um, I just did a quick, uh, you know, professor Google search and um, it does look like uh, the crickets chirp. Um, to call female mates. There you go. So there you go. Okay, so so just like fireflies or lightning bugs, uh, the light and the and the chirps they they help to attract mates. I guess that's a feature bugs use. Um, I don't know what mosquitoes do though. Do they uh, do they suck blood? And is that a thing where like the one who sucks the most blood? (sighs) I don't know. Um, I don't know if that's a good trait to have. Um, but uh, maybe for a mosquito it is. Like, hey man, I got. You know, three or four humans today. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! All right. Well, who wants to talk maybe about they, mosquitoes? Maybe they have like a, a check mark uh, for each one they got for the day. They go back to their home and wherever they live and market. I'm getting sidetracked. Um, <laughs> yes, you are. So, <laughs> uh, so yeah. I mean, I'll talk a little bit about mosquitoes. That's fine. Uh, but seriously, though. Um, if we have a wet spring, that usually means we're in for a rough summer uh, with a lot of mosquitoes out there. And if those of you out there who are uh, very prone to getting bit, I mean, you know how annoying um, those certainly can be. Um, so uh, basically, the best thing to do to get rid of mosquitoes around your property would be to make sure there's not a lot of standing water around. So, you know, if you, I know bird baths are nice, you know, and all that, but man, that's that just to be a breeding ground. Exactly. You know, a breeding ground for mosquitoes. Um, any puddles that form, you know, be nice if they form in your driveway, just sweep them off after the rain's over or something like that into the grass. You know, any way you can remove water just laying around your yard, because what the mosquitoes do is they lay eggs in that water, and that's how they continue to multiply. And now, fortunately, around my house, um, the uh, mosquitoes aren't terrible. Um, and mostly that's because it's uh, pretty windy at my house a lot of times. I live kind of on top of a hill. And mosquitoes aren't very good at flying. Um, so I get a little bit of wind, and they kind of blow the mosquitoes around, so it's hard for them to kind of you know, latch on to you a lot of times, um, if they're having a hard time finding you. So I would imagine around marshy areas too, if you live like around a stream or a Creek or even a pond, um, you know, uh, areas that where there's some, uh, you know, higher water tables. And I would imagine that may also contribute to some added mosquitoes around a property. Right. 
Right, and uh, and uh, and also adding to the to the whole uh, mosquito thing too, and this goes back to what I was talking about with with fireflies is that temperature is a huge uh, is a huge factor for these bugs, especially mosquitoes. I mean, you notice how mosquitoes like you, you always get bit when it's like really hot and humid out. I mean, they just tend to they they thrive in that in that in that uh, atmosphere. Um, but when it gets cold, I mean, you don't get bit in like, you know, the springtime when it's like in the 40s and 50s, because a lot of these mosquitoes, while they are starting to get going, you know, they're very lethargic. They're very slow. Um, they, 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 they tend to be, you know, more, more docile and kind of like, you know, they're, they're reserving docile. their energies. F- yeah. Docile. But I until like they word. can. Yeah. You like it? <laughs> There's a weather, uh, the weather lounge, uh, the weather lounge, um, like, uh, I guess thesaurus here Dictionary. We're, we're pulling. Yeah. Um, but, but anyway, you know, the, the temperatures really affect these, the, these creatures and, um, you know, when it gets really warm, they, 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 they really buzz with activity, so to speak. Um, uh, that- one thing too, is you don't usually get bit by a mosquito like middle of the day. I mean, if you're out doing stuff, me maybe see one or two, or it's usually as you get towards evening. I, and, and that may go along to Mike's point, you know, the windiest part of the day, even in the summer, even though it's not like windy, windy, um, you know, peak wind during a, a, any given day is usually like, you know, late morning into early to mid afternoon, winds start to die down usually towards evening, unless of course you have a storm or something. So that would also make sense too, is in they would congregate more. You, they would probably get a little bit more, uh, a lot more activity going in the evening and early at night when uh, you know the winds are low, light, and you know it's still pretty warm out, especially in the summer. So it's, that kind of makes sense too that you know you go to a ball game or you know you go out and enjoy the evening somewhere and you have a tendency to get a bite then versus like middle of the day. You know, and uh, it's interesting that we brought up earlier about the mosquito populations and if there's an excess of rainfall uh, makes them more problematic because you know. It's hard to, I don't know where people are listening from, so I don't know, you know, what to say if they're in a deficit of rainfall or if they're in a surplus. Um, But at least in, I just did a quick search around Eastern Pennsylvania, and there is a deficit running here in uh, the spring. Um, We're about a half inch below from March and two inches below in April uh, average. So we are running a bit of a deficit of precipitation here. So Hopefully it's not too bad of a mosquito season in this area, but um, I don't know. But I mean, if you go and you look through some of your, uh, you know, some of the data there, I'm, I'm sure you could find that a little bit better. Um, it'd be, I think there's even some regional maps that we could probably pull up here. Um, but unfortunately, this is audio, so <laughs> I can't show you that. You don't have you don't have an Oreo equation like you did for the atmosphere, which I thought still was an, awesome. An, an Oreo analogy um, with yeah. the uh, when you describe the layers of the atmosphere on audio. <laughs> yeah, no, that was good, and uh, yeah, it was. You know, I don't have one of those, unfortunately. <laughs> um, so, uh, if if anyone's ever interested, you got to go back to where we did the what was that precipitation types yes. podcast, mm-hmm. and Mike Mike uh, Mahalik decided to and and to to his. Uh, you know, uh, I mean, he's just awesome with his description of how you show an atmosphere using an Oreo cookie, and it makes so much sense. So go back to that podcast if you're interested. It's it's a, it's a great analogy. Yeah. Um, so with that, I mean, I think we cover mosquitoes pretty good here. And then moving on, I guess Brad wants to talk about woolly bears. Do it. They're not my favorite. 
Um, well, we've, we've talked about woolly bears in our weather folklore podcast, but you know, it, it deserves an honorable mention because I think it's the one insect that, I mean, granted it's, it's not really impacted by the weather per se because it's really thriving in the late summer, early fall, but it's a possible predictor of the weather as we head into winter. So I think everyone's heard of the woolly bear caterpillar. So basically it's a black and brown, has black and brown bands on it. And according to the folklore and, you know, folks that you may talk to and been around for a while, live on farms and out in nature, you know, if, if there's more black than brown on their stripes, or at least the the black uh, stripes are, are more so than the brown, then it indicates a harsh cold winter. Now, if it's the other way around, there's more brown bands versus the black bands, or at least they're thicker than the black bands, then it may tend to forecast a milder winter. So, well, I, I, I don't know. I don't know what the... If you, much, you if know. you could see me right now, I'm shaking my head um, in uh, disgust of uh, the woolly bear. I'm sorry. Um, I, I just, uh, I did some research on these guys and, you know, there's just not a whole lot of accurate I know scientific predictability um from the caterpillar and and winter um you know there's there's things that if the caterpillar is older um there's a certain more percentage of it is black or or I forget which one it is if it's black or brown also yeah may may tend to change their bands and width and all that yep yep and uh you know out of the same batch of eggs the this different striped caterpillars can come out of it. So it's, you know, it's, it's kind of hard to get an actual accurate uh, winter forecast. And and for what part of the country does this count too? You know, where, where the woolly bear is or is it everywhere or does it somehow like. What if you take a woolly bear from one part of the country and bring it to a different part of the country? Will it, you know, will it work then? And I mean, we're going to, I don't want to go down a rabbit hole, but it brings also up the same thing about like the groundhog and like, you know, you're forecasting for, for where, you know, like, but that's, that's getting ahead of ourselves. That's you, you guys can listen to our, um, our folklore podcast and you can, you can, you can find that out for yourself. So Fine, I'll stick um, to my crickets and dull bears law and, and predict the temperature from the church. See, now I like that a little bit better. That's a little bit more, uh, based in, uh, actual, uh, correlation. Yeah. Um, to to the temperature, so uh, I like that a lot better uh, for sure. All right, well, let's talk about uh, how the weather, though, the, the different type, types of weather, um, you know, that we have during, you know, the summer and into the fall, and how how that impacts all these different insects. Not only the ones that we mentioned, but several others. Yeah, yeah. So I guess uh, I'll start off here, and uh, I mean, essentially, you know, dry weather is pretty much the uh, the bane of. Uh, uh, of, of these, uh, of these, uh, I guess, mosquitoes and insects, um, mostly, you know, ants and like mosquitoes, you know, they, they really need like, you know, wet weather, um, dry, you know, droughts, they don't do very well cause they need to find water. Um, and, and a lot of the times, you know, you find a lot of these like ants and I don't think we have camel crickets. I don't know if you know what a camel cricket is, what but it's is uh, a camel cricket. <laughs> I mean, I, big, I'm trying to picture this a, thing in my head, and I'm like, "What's well, got a big hump on its back?" Or it's a it's say, a yeah. big cricket. I mean, I don't think we we have them here in the Northeast, but uh, I could send you I can send you a little little chat here. You could take a look and see what they look. Uh, like. I'm, Instead I'm of chirping, they right roar. Or they like what? Are, don't camels make that weird sound? Oh my god! Look at that thing. Right. Wow. Yeah. Take take a look at 
find search camel cricket if you don't know what that is. They they could be yeah. I I didn't know what they were until I I looked this up. But Ooh, you know what? I think I've seen that once or twice. Have you? Yeah. Well, hopefully you don't find that in your home because they love to go inside when it's when there's a drought. So, oh, those are the ones that hop like crazy too. They're like a grasshopper. They're like grasshoppers. Yeah, they're they're essentially grasshoppers. And actually, like you know, maybe maybe that's what I maybe I thought I was looking at a grasshopper, but it was a camel cricket. Hmm. <laughs> maybe. Um, but it, but anyway, not 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 to go ahead of myself. Again, we're not entomologists, but um, you know, a lot of these uh, mosquitoes love the water. You know, mosquitoes need water to lay their eggs, so no water, they can't they can't produce. Um, but some bugs like grasshoppers and mites actually thrive. So they, they like to, uh, they like to destroy like crops. Um, somehow whenever there's a drought, like grasshoppers and other different types of bugs can like feed on the crops because they find the moisture from the, from the crops and they can feed on it. And, uh, and, you know, essentially, you know, they, they, they like to, they like to feed on it. So not all bugs will die in, in, in the, in the drought. Some do actually survive but the ones that don't are the ones that you'll probably find in your house because they're trying to they're, they're they're basically begging for for some sort of like water so I'll, t- I'll tell you one thing that i've and i lived down south for a long time and i've seen it before but not to the point where you can see it on tv a lot and see it on social media but anytime there's a flood and where fire ants are prevalent or prevalent they will actually bind themselves together and almost make themselves a quote fire ant boat so they could all survive or at least some or most of them survive some are probably sacrificed but they somehow get themselves all together and they ride out whatever flood or you know maybe after a a heavy storm and they'll somehow survive through that because they all just make themselves all together i don't know if you've ever seen that before but Mm -hmm. i've uh, seen it i've seen it before yeah yeah, it's 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 only it's the only one I know of that does that is the fire ants and and let me tell you I've been I've been bitten by a fire ant before down south and they hurt um, and somehow that when they it's not just one usually they have some kind of uh, a react or some kind of chemical between them that they all know how to bite at the same time so if you have like eight or nine of them on you they'll bite you at the same time and it, it just stings it's 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 a nasty thing those fire ants down there Whew. don't ever want to go near a fire ant pile as they call them because they they'll get you. Hmm. I guess so. Yeah. Call them fire we don't have ants. them up here in the Northeast, but if uh, anyone else is listening, they know exactly what I'm talking about with fire ants because you do not want to mess with them. Ooh. Yeah. So we kind of hit on dry and wet weather all in the same boat there, I think, uh, for the most part. I think we did uh, a lot. Of, a lot of the, uh, and I mean, one other thing with wet weather is, um, you know, a lot of these bugs, just like with dry weather, they always come in. Um, I mean, you know, spiders, cockroaches, you know, when sometimes too much water is a bad thing as much as they need water, as Brad said, floods and a lot of water, they love to, they love to go inside to find shelter, um, when, when there's a lot of water, but typically bugs need water to survive, uh, usually. So like most things, of course, um, what they don't need is the cold weather though. No cold weather is the next thing. Um, and I guess you know, certain species can't survive. We, we mentioned this before, so we won't go too much because we mentioned that magical number of 50 degrees above 50 degrees. All bugs really do their own thing and they can survive below that is when they start to become more, like I said, lethargic, they become slower. Um, a lot of flies, you know, they, that their wings don't flap as, as fast as they do. Um, once you get below the freezing, a lot of these can actually go dormant. 
and they can become more like, let's say, uh, they go they go into hibernation essentially, um, in, in like a coma, so to speak. Um, and then below twenty degrees, that's the danger zone because a lot of bugs can't really survive below twenty degrees. Um, so in that case, typically bugs that will survive, they'll bury underground. They'll they'll go under the dirt, you know, sometimes like feet under the ground because that's where it stays warm. The soil the soil doesn't get as cold when you go farther farther down in the, in the earth. Um, so that's how they'll survive. But anyone that's above surface will, will, especially if it's like, you know, zero degrees or below freezing, they will pretty much not survive. So, so they need the warm, the warm weather. That's for sure. I'll tell you one thing that drives me crazy too, is this another entomologist question is, you know, all through the winter, you never see them, obviously, even if you get like a 40 degree day, but as soon as you get maybe one good mild day in like March when we're starting to transition in the spring and you get like a 70 degree day, you always, almost always see that first B. It could be like March 20th and here comes that first B. I, I don't understand. Like all of a sudden it just goes from like winter and all of a sudden here's a B. <laughs> I mean, I don't know if anyone's ever seen that too, but that could be the thing I was talking about. They, a lot of bees, I don't know what kind of species actually do this, but they, you know, they bear, they, 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 they burrow underground and they come out when it gets warmer. So that's why all of a sudden, Brad, you probably see bees start flying around and they make their nests, you know, above ground now because all the nests are underground where it's warmer. Maybe they could be the sacrificial bee for the nest or something. Like, hey, could go be. check out the weather. And if you don't come back, we know it's still too cold. <laughs> we got we got bee meteorologists. <laughs> yeah, I think I think it's funny when it gets colder and, and the bees get kind of very slow and and kind of. This is true. Yeah, yeah. it's just like they come in and they're all like disoriented almost like they they had a too many too many uh beers or something <laughs> and, they come, and they just well no actually bee, bees can actually you know a lot of like they they, they can like uh, like you said well, i think what brad said earlier about with beer right brad you said they can actually get into the beer they can get drunk i mean you you know you 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 could you could like get the the alcohol and sometimes the bees can like uh not just beer, but like, let's say they, the fermented like fruit from trees, sometimes they can, they can get drunk. You know, it's, uh, <laughs> it's, ha- it, it's, it's possible. No, I was going to say before, before we, I was going to say, before we wrap this up, my brother, I'm not taking credit for this. My brother years and years ago said, and I don't know if he just said this out of the blue. He goes, well, I wonder that's why squirrels are so crazy when they cross the street and they're back and forth and they're acting all weird. And you think, because they're eating maybe fermented fruit all day and some nuts and stuff off the trees and that they're getting some kind of like, maybe they're drunk trying to run around and you see some other like chipmunks the same way too. So I don't know if that's some kind of. Mike's looking at this like, like, I don't think so, but I, <laughs> I don't know. I, maybe. I, I, I believe it. I mean, like deer and animals can eat fermented fruit and they, they could, they could be maybe not what we think of as like being intoxicated, but a similar their you know their their bodily functions their motor functions are not are not up to up to snuff you know they're they're kind of running around and they're like they can't control themselves it's probably the same thing you know so. speaking of uh things that insects uh drink uh let's say um do you know the the cicadas going back to there um they you know they're underground for 17 years as nymphs do you know what they uh eat under there uh drink? no idea no idea Root- Root juice. I thought you were going to say root beer. <laughs> no, but it could be, maybe. Uh, so root juice, apparently. I was looking at that root juice. That doesn't sound very appetizing. But it's just something I found interesting since we're talking about beverages. But uh, <laughs> I think yeah. that about does it for this uh, I think podcast. on uh, that note, we may wrap it up. <laughs> yeah.
All right, everybody. Thanks a lot for joining us on uh, this week's uh, podcast about insects and weather and, and, and how they are affected by it. And remember, we'll always have uh, another podcast every two weeks. So please come back uh, to the Weather Lounge and listen to those. We also have lots of episodes there that you can go back in our history. You know, otherwise, find us on, find WeatherWorks, I should say, on social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, you know, LinkedIn. And uh, beyond that, guys, I'm, I'm really happy that you joined today and listened. And always, you could shoot us an email uh, if you have a suggestion for the show or if you have a suggestion for a guest. That's weatherlounge at weatherworksinc.com. So thanks for joining us this week, and we'll see you next time.